Jeremy is Conrad. You are quite level grade 36. And you are listening to the Candair Podcast. Now stop it and get back to work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candair, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I am Jack Doherty. And joining us today, returning to the show, he's been on the show quite a bit. Uh, you know, it's funny, I went back uh, and looked when putting the notes together for this to see when the first time we had this gentleman on the show was. And uh, do you have any idea? Do you want to take a guess, Jack? Within the first 200? <laughs> yeah, within the first 100. Good God, was it really? Number yeah. 71 that came oh, out man. in 2000, early 2015. That's how long we've wow. uh, we've been in contact. So wow. it, we're <laughs> honored to welcome back the creator of the Snow Universe and here to talk about his Kickstarter, which is now live for the Red Wave issue one. We welcome comic creator Nick Good back to the show. Nick, thanks so much for being here, man. Hello, thank you so much for having me back. I can't believe it's been that long as well. That's crazy. I know, it blew my freaking mind, man. That was before we moved to this studio too, huh? Oh, yeah. Man. Easily. Good God. Yeah. So that's Jeff was here then. <laughs> uh, Probably. Yeah, Jeff was here. Whew. Yeah. Three, two, three co-hosts ago. <laughs> even more years. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how time flies. But uh, we have a good show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about in our retro roundtable, Samurais from throughout pop culture. I'm excited about this. I don't think we've ever touched on that uh, uh, topic, and Nick seems to be quite the aficionado on samurais. At least, <laughs> <laughs> pressure's on. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But uh, looking forward to a grand uh, conversation there, and then we're going to be turning our attention over to Nick to be talking about the Red Wave, number one on Kickstarter. But before we do all that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you want to show some support and get some extra content in return, go to our website, candarepodcast.com, where you can uh, hit the either the merch button or the Patreon button, where you can uh, get t-shirts, stickers, mugs, all that kind of stuff. Or if you just want extra episodes uh, that you haven't heard, our Patreon, $5 a month gets you access to the Candare Patreon pod. $10 a month gets you even more. So check that stuff out. And coming up September 25th, don't uh, forget the Tour Gaming Expo, where uh, yours truly, the Candare Podcast, will be hosting, mm-hmm. uh, acting like asses for the day. That's uh, for sure. <laughs> pressing the flesh with the public. Uh, again, September 21st at uh, the Super Kick. What was that? Super Kick, like soccer arena or something? Did something like that, yeah. I think it's just called Super Kick, but it's indoor soccer arena. Super Kick Columbus in Lewis Center, Ohio. So check that out. I think it's at torgevents.com and uh don't forget to listen to us on evergreen podcast network and if you want to go to there to the convention torg events use promo code canned air oh, for 10 percent discount see someone's been not passing that information <laughs> are you looking my way no he's not here today <laughs> okay. well he he's got stuff happening yeah. in his life we understand so all right anything else that's it. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. And away we go! Shut up! Shut up! Alright, Samurai from throughout pop culture. Nick, you want to kick us off? Yeah, so I, I guess the, the place that... Um, I kind of started with a lot of my research was Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh, if man. you guys have read it, no, but it, I'm very aware of it. 
going into writing the red wave i'll I'll talk later on about all my kind of influences i had for it but i was sort of hunting out any comics that had ronin or samurai or anything and the one i kept coming back to is lone wolf and cubs so i picked up the i think i picked up four volumes of it and they're the ones that are like almost half page size they're like really small little kind of books of it um which adds to the to the tone of it. I'm sure there's like a normal full comic size of it, but this one just added like a real kind of tone to the story. And the art is just gorgeous. Um, like it's really, really nice. And the story's absolutely brutal at times, but really heartwarming as well. It's hmm. It's got a really nice balance to it. Sure. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of the one that I kind of kept popping up in terms of comics that I just I somehow had missed. It was just something I'd never read. And they then they made um, a movie of that, right? I think so. I, I think there's a few kind of versions of it. It's a story that I've weirdly I've seen throughout kind of pop culture a lot, where it's sort of like the samurai with a baby or the samurai with a kid. Right. And whether it's called Lone Wolf and Cub or not, I've seen versions of it. Sure. Um so yeah, that was something that I really landed on. And it it reading it, it was something that I was like, this should totally be like they, they should totally make an animation of it or something like that because it's it's got breath on it it's it's huge and and i really kind of i'm surprised that it's not being made at the moment it's something that i i I think would go down really well right um how how uh are those comics oh god i wouldn't know they've been around for a while though right yeah definitely because um frank miller did a book called ronin which must have been in 80s maybe early 90s and that was influenced by lone wolf and cub oh wow Hmm. Uh, so it's definitely been around for a while but it's a really really good book if you um if you get around to it like i said it's really long so it's an investment of time for sure but um but it's it's a really good read um yeah so i'd I'd say start there um i like that i've again i've always heard of it but i've uh, just never read or seen any of the adaptations or anything yeah, it it completely blew me by until I got to to doing the Red Wave, and then I was like, oh, I started reading that and Shogun at the same time, which is like an absolute commitment of a novel. It's I think it's like over a thousand pages, wow. and it's heavy feudal Japan. It, it was it was kind of intimidating to read because you're like, I'm writing something way smaller, and this is like the big <laughs> picture. Oh my god! Um, but again, really good read as well. How about you guys? What what grabs you? Well, I'm just thinking. I think I'm gonna to have to download Audible if I'm gonna attempt to either a thousand of these pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, where do you, do you want to go next then? Yeah, I th- totally thought we were doing something different from the retro. <laughs> what do you What do you think? I could have swore we were talking about something about comics that that we jumped into. That something. No, that's for the episode we're recording after this, the comic vault. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You were like samurais and pop culture. I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Well, I'll t- I'll go next. No, I have one though. Okay, go ahead. Because I just I, I did my homework real quick in my head. <laughs> nice, love it. <laughs> okay. I don't know a lot about him because I never really followed the comics so much. But I remember seeing him. He'd pop in every once in a while, and the cartoon was uh, Usagi Yojimbo. Oh yeah, and he's uh, supposed to be getting. His own Netflix cartoon, I yeah, think, yeah, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to go with it next, yeah. 
Yeah, he was his own comic before he was in the Turtles. That's I always thought that too, but I for was years. never quite sure. And he would just for for whatever reason he would just pop in for I don't even know why he would show up in the cartoon. I don't know uh, if it was a I mean, it just made thing. sense. Ninja <laughs> Ninja Turtles, Samurai Rabbit. Oh well, yeah. These guys got to meet, you know. <laughs> Same reason the Battletoads maybe should have met, but uh Yeah, they definitely They really didn't have like stylized fighting. They were just out kicking ass, yeah. taking names, you know. <laughs> But he was always cool to just, I don't, it, it worked so good being a rabbit and a samurai just because his, you know, having his little ponytail in the back with it was mm -hmm. his ears pulled back. Yeah. I, I, I can't think of, uh, who does those comics? Uh, originally the creator. Do you know, Nick? No, no, I know. No. It's a, yeah. But those, it was at the I, back of my head, it's gone. I found some of those old comics, like in the basement at Pack Rats once and picked them up and they're entertaining reads, but, uh. I'm not huge like on the art and uh, I don't know it just seems like there's a more of like uh action reaction happening than like mm. dialogue in some of it. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. It's not bad but it's just I uh, saw an issue when we were at Packrats last weekend for Free Comic Book Day on the wall and I almost grabbed it just because with the new show coming out just to kind of freshen up a little bit but I ended up not. <laughs> just cuz I know it's it. he's a cool character but I don't know if I would really enjoy the story much i don't know just because i don't know enough NECA, too late to jump Neca needs to do a figure of him because oh, that's God, yeah. that's one i'd have to have yeah. for, the, for the shelf for sure <laughs> there's somebody quite big doing the uh animated series as well isn't there there's somebody who's adapting it i can't remember who it is let me take a look on the line here i feel like you're right but i cannot for the life of me think of who it was well that'd be perfect after watching the tv show the new netflix series then jumping in because then you'd probably They'd probably start with the comics and stuff, so he'd be yeah, worrying yeah. on what the story is on him. I just vaguely remember when it got announced that there was somebody quite big attached to it, and I thought, oh, that's quite an interesting idea. Mm, um, let me see. I don't think there's much really on it other than just like a cover photo of him, which he, it looks awesome, but most of the Netflix CG stuff is really good anyway. James Wan? Yeah. Oh, intriguing. That's what it says. I'm not even yeah. uh, sure of who that is. Is said to ex uh, executive produce. Um, Intriguing. Name sounds familiar. I'm not sure. You know that name, what he's Nick? Done, though. James Wan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he'd be the guy that did like the Conjuring, and uh, he did Aquaman as well. He did the That's Conjuring why. films. Yeah. Okay. That's why it sounds familiar with Aquaman. I'm excited. I, I enjoyed those films quite a bit. The first one was my favorite, The Conjuring. I say the Conjuring and Usagi doesn't really seem like it would go very well, but with. Aquaman in there that <laughs> I don't know I mean if he better. if he if he can bring some kind of uh who knows maybe yeah. like uh Nick was saying playing both ends you know mm -hmm. have it be sweet and very bloody at the same time hey, yeah yeah you know yeah exactly. that would be cool violent as it should be that's the only name I'm seeing right here but that would make sense that's who you, you think you had heard yeah that must be it yeah there was I just remember when they announced it that I, it was somebody that they paired with it that I kind of thought oh that's really interesting like I don't know yeah um like his his attachment to it necessarily but yeah i mean maybe he's got a cool idea um, he's really good he's really good but it's funny because i went and watched some of that extended universe conjuring stuff like i rented uh the nun and i was like oh, oh yeah. man i can't wait to sink my teeth into it you oh, know that's supposed to be part of it too oh yeah that's where she came from is from those movies the conjuring movies oh. like the second one i think or maybe she was even in the first one I think she thinks I think she's through all three of them, but they gave her her own movie to kind of see where that one comes from. Mm -hmm. Boy, that movie was dog shit. It sucked. <laughs> I couldn't wait for it to be over. It wasn't scary at all. It was almost predictable. It was just 
it was stupid. Oh, I'm thinking Paranormal Activity, not The Conjuring, because I haven't seen any of those. You know, That's what it is. those are kind of like, uh, I don't That's know. just security camera stuff, and then they've just gone too crazy off the I don't feel like you you go there, though, to see an in-depth story or walk away with a cool story. You're just there to watch creepy shit happen. Mm, yeah. The same yeah. reason people yeah. see Saul, just to see people get hacked Anymore, and cut yeah. off. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I don't know. I enjoy uh, the paranormal activity films. Okay, I mean, I maybe watch one every two to three years. <laughs> like, so I'm not like a hardcore fan, but they're entertaining. I don't know. The, late, the later versions seem like they just started getting too far away. That's just it. I just kind of separate and don't even pay attention to the story of like, okay, this movie goes fucks with little kid. It's gonna be Go. dumb. I just want to see the carnage and the scariness of it. <laughs> I don't care about story after all. Oh, stop the talking and slam some doors or something. There was one where they um, had an Xbox Connect set up, you know, like with the they, where it used to do the dot matrix across the room. Yeah, and like you could see like figures walking around the room oh, and God. that shit. It was it was crazy. And then <laughs> the next thing you know, you see like ghost hunters online doing that same thing in abandoned houses. Like <laughs> you might have read a little too deep yeah. into that shit. It's Hollywood people. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway. That was that was that was I enjoyed that talk. <laughs> um uh, oh. one of the other things that I was gonna ask whether you guys played, because I know um I've definitely got you on Xbox, but I wasn't sure if either of you played Ghost of Tsushima on PlayStation. I have it. I've not gotten far into it, but I am enjoying it. I ended up what, Avengers I think came out after, so I kind of dropped it, yeah. But I do have it, it, and it is, it's awesome. Yeah, it really, um, I, 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 weirdly, I played it after I'd finished Rising the Red Wave, so I'd sort of, like, completely, almost not tapped out of Japan, but I'd, I'd sort of finished all my research for it. I need a break. And then I just played it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was, like, buried in research. And then, um, yeah, I played this, and it just it completely sucked me back into it. And I think part of it was that it's really epic on scale but the music of it as well it's got a really nice score mm -hmm. which i still find myself like listening to here and there because it's just done so well and it, yeah just again like oh in terms of a game i think it's a really stunning game is it does like beauty in games really well i think the multiplayer um, part of it was really good too just the combat and the, the stealth part of it was really cool because i mean you really feel you don't just go in and start hacking and slashing you really got to think of what you're doing Really? Because it's, yeah, it's all yeah. just like timed, timed moves and stuff. And it's... See, that sounds cool. Yeah. That sounds really neat. I might have to uh, look that up on YouTube, check it out. It's so funny. There was a Star Wars game on uh, the first Xbox. <clears throat> it was from The Phantom Menace. I think it was just called Obi-Wan. And yep. it got dogged on. People talked about it like one of the crappiest games. And I think just because it's misunderstood, you know, it's not one of those games where you... Uh, oh, like, I know what you're talking about. You hit this button, you jump. You hit this one and he swipes his saber. You know, it's not that simple. But I don't think they did a good job of explaining it. Because what what it was was, you know, your, your right joystick obviously moved you in the directions you wanted to go. But the left one, if you paid attention, anywhere you moved it is where your saber went. Mm. So you did have a few, like, stock... Uh, actions you could do, swipe, you know, up and down kind of stuff, but yeah. 
if you knew what you were doing with that joystick, you could get very meticulous. Now, mind you, unless you're like doing a duel with somebody, like have a second player, the AI in that game's just kind of like, stop, get out, and just sits there and shoot two players. <laughs> so, I mean, you're not up against uh, very stiff competition, but um, yeah, that, that, that I lo- that's what I loved about that game, the articulation with the lightsaber. Mm. You could do about anything you wanted. It's good when they let they give you more options to do stuff like that versus just the hack and slash. Cause mm-hmm. those are fun, but being able to actually like choreography yourself, chore- choreography, I don't know. Choreograph. Choreograph. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because then after that, like later they did the episode three, like movie game and it was m- like mediocre at best. Like mm. it was like watching it like Resident Evil kind of like through security camera stuff. You yeah. couldn't really move the view around and it was very much couple combos to do a couple mm. quick moves. But there was a level, it was like a hidden level or something you had to unlock where you could play Yoda. And it was set up very much like a um Street Fighter, I guess. You know, you're you're looking at the the Jedi Council like chairs and stuff in the background and your Yoda just standing in the middle and an endless sea of clone troopers are coming in to kill you and you have your saber and holy shit, you can get intricate with it. That was the only reason <laughs> worth having that game because you went ape shit. And if your system was that on that one, it was on uh, Xbox. Where Pretty sure it was, it was Xbox. That Star Wars game. I don't yeah, remember. Two as well. What's that? I think, on, I think it was Xbox and two, I think. Yeah. I think I actually had, it on both weirdly i'm sure i'm sure it was cross-platform uh game to capitalize but uh like when you would hit a trooper's arm like his arm would go flying if you (laughs) you did a swipe across his neck his head would go flying so and as quickly as he moved you didn't even have to really pay attention to what you're doing it's just kind of button mash and jump and the visual was so pleasing and they just kept coming until you died it was like an endurance kind of Mm -hmm. thing so it was oh it was cool it was a lot of fun see if i can find that anywhere speaking of star wars i know our samurai <laughs> conversation ended up in star wars but that's how the retro do uh and there's loose translation in there somewhere well darth vader was heavily uh, his designs heavily based on samurai mm-hmm. like helmet and stuff yeah so and they had swords. take that yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh you had talked about uh nick you said something a little bit ago about you know indulging you know looking at anything that has to do with ronin especially in comics have you happened to see the Ninja Turtles, the last Ronin series? I did, yes. What, um, th- what are you thinking yeah. thus far? Um, yeah, I like it. I think I said this before on the show, because I'm pretty sure every episode that I've been on, we'd end up talking about turtles. <laughs> My um, man. <laughs> and and um, I think I'm, like, I'm a fan of turtles, but I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say I'm like hardcore fan of Turtles, so I don't quite know the lore of everything. I don't think I've kind of seen everything right around it, but I'm enjoying it for what it is. I think, yeah, sure. it's um, it's a it's a good read. And again, this like is how you Turtles, be polite when you do not like. Yeah, them. I don't like them at all. <laughs> no, 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 definitely, I, I do really enjoy. It. I just um, I think with Turtles, it's one of those things where it's, I think it's always got like a samurai influence to it. Oh, which yeah. is really nice. Like I, I love that about it. That um it it has so much tied to that kind of culture yeah it's just always cool isn't it? sure like it's always hard not to like anything turtles i think um yeah for me yeah. anyway like how frighteningly realistic they captured samurai life with that third movie 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> Did you see Nick's face for a hot second? Yeah. He got worried. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It was He's so like, real. oh my God, these Wait, dudes are no. off their fucking rocker. They just really like turtles. <laughs> um, one of my all time favorite uh, samurai films is uh, Tom Cruise, The Last Samurai. You guys have seen? Nope. You haven't? No. Yes. I know I know you enjoy it because you've brought it up. I've brought it up time. before. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I have. But hey, we're talking samurais. We want to bring it up again. <laughs> Fuck you. No, I'm not <laughs> complaining. <laughs> but um, the only thing that sucked, and I think I said this before about it, is like at the end, that great big battle scene. Like there's a big battle. Like they're out on the battlefield and like every samurai gets killed except for Tom. Like everyone dies except for Tom Cruise. It's like, what? Why didn't you? Yeah, Tom die Cruise too? was alive back then. They'd have been fine. Yeah. What do you think of the film, uh, Nick? Yeah, I loved it. I, I agree the same. Where it's like, how did Tom Cruise survive? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I love it. I actually wrote so much of the Red Wave to um, the score of the Last Samurai because it's amazing. I mean, it's a Hans Zimmer score, but it's just so. To describe this there's a thing with samurai and 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 kind of ronin pop culture where it does that thing that i was talking about with lone wolf and cub where it captures this real kind of beautiful silence and then it contrasts it with big epic and either like hyper violence or just a big epic battle and i think last samurai does that really well where there's so much poignancy to it there's so much dialogue in it which is really nice about honor and peace and um there's like a really nice poetry kind of subtext to it. But then at the same time, you do get some really cool action in it. Um, oh, yeah. I really like it. It's, it's good. I, I actually find myself watching it just here and there. I think I watched it like two weeks ago. It's I was so like, good. I need something to watch. And it popped up on Netflix. I was like, yes. Yeah. Isn't it really long? It's a good couple hours, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like two hours 40. That's really Jesus. not much. Yeah, like two things. Well, so. I mean, it, it beats yeah. a Marvel movie yeah. <laughs> by ten minutes, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> Star Wars. Well, back know. when it was when it was made, it was probably good. God, this movie's long because they're oh, pretty yeah. much always ninety minutes. But anymore, yeah, it's, it's pretty much par. I always, if the movie's good, I don't mind it being long at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you no. know, yeah. But um, damn, that was a good film. But so good. running headfirst into automatic gunfire, he survives. Like. I just can't swallow that pill. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Although you get the really, the, like, I don't want to spoil the film. There's a really good piece of dialogue that I think is the last piece of dialogue in the film where he says something, Tom Cruise says something to a character, and I really like his dialogue there. So I'm almost sort of like, it's annoying that he lives because he definitely would have died. Like, those machine guns would have <laughs> split him in two. <laughs> but his dialogue that he gives is really beautiful is, i think is that when he was like addressing the emperor or i can't remember yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i won't say yeah. anymore i'm just trying to remember the moment but damn. yeah yeah he has a piece of dialogue that every time i watch it, i'm like yes great <laughs> oh man i'm gonna have to watch it again now and he was american or should he have been japanese he was uh he had been in the Civil War, if I remember correctly, and he was just like yeah. working for like Smith and Wesson, uh, I can't say it, Smith, Smith and, and Wesson, <laughs> or something like that, some gun company, and he was just kind of an alcoholic. And I think Japan was like trying to move away from like the samurai way of life. They were trying to moder modernize their military, so they brought him over to, to mm -hmm. 
do okay. just that. But it's kind of like a dances with kind of switched thing. a little bit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> kind of switched sides <laughs> in the process, and then turn made a damn good film. I see. Was that opening? Uh, I think it was the opening battle. Oh man, I'm giving too much away. All right. We gotta it's, move. On. It's great. You gotta watch it. it You've gotta really, watch really... it. I'll do that when I get home after yeah. the show. Oh, it was really good. All right. Well, yeah. I enjoyed that talk thoroughly, which is why we I'm also gl- managed to go. Sorry, I was just gonna say we also managed to go through it without mentioning Kurosawa at all, which is impressive. Without mentioning like what? Any Kurosawa, the guy who did Seven Samurai and Yojimbo and. Like all of the kind of big classic samurai oh, yeah, films, old stuff. I can't mention it because I'm not aware of it. The Seventh Samurai, I think, was one of the influences on Star Wars. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, really good. It's really long, but um, it's well, really good. Was a lot based off of Yojimbo that was all over the place during that hmm. the episodes coming in. Yeah. Well, the the uh, Soka episode was. No idea. I had no yeah. idea. It's it's worth a watch. Like if you're really into kind of samurai, watch anything Kurosawa because it is like the pinnacle of samurai on film. It's just it's all black and white, and all of it's quite long. So go into it kind of thinking you'll be there for a while. But it is well worth a watch. Yeah. Awesome. I've got a lot of stuff to check out after this. I just love samurai like anything. It's so much. I guess I don't know enough of it though, because you keep naming stuff that I <laughs> apparently should be general knowledge for a samurai fan, but I don't know. Well, he just made a comic based on it. He's got to know. <laughs> That's true. Well, we got to find out more about this comic. So let's jump to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll turn our attention over to Nick and talk about the Red Wave. Stay tuned. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. All right, we are back from commercial break and sitting here with Nick Goo. Nick, thanks again for being here, man. Thanks so much for having me. So much to talk about here. This Kickstarter you have going for the Red Wave, number one. Uh, we've looked at it's, dude, you sent us just a few pages and I cannot wait to read this thing. And I'm not saying that to kiss your ass or for to coax the listeners <laughs> money out of their pocket. I promise, like, I was hooked. I've got to see what happens uh, in the rest of this, but I don't want to say what got me hooked. So go ahead and uh, tell the listeners about the Red Wave. Yes. Yeah, so the Red Wave is, uh, we basically describe it as a bodacious, emotionally driven Ronin tale. And it sort of takes its cues from pop culture and samurai lore. And we sort of really blend the line between what's fiction and what's fact. So uh, the story is basically about these two characters called Hikaru and Mizuki, who are Ronin. They've left behind the life of the sword 
and they're living the, the kind of peaceful peasant life basically in a community that they built themselves. And then one day this group of kind of Ronin clan ex-samurai who are basically driven by one thing, which is to protect and remove from the society these two long-lost blades, which were made by swordsmiths called Masamuni and Muramasa. So these guys were real. Um, this is sort of where I had to do a lot of research and absolutely loved it. But in uh, samurai culture, swordsmiths were basically deemed to be holy men. They were, mm -hmm. they were deemed to be like some of the most precious in society. So they always wore white and there was something that they beat into the steel of every sword. So every samurai sword almost had an essence to it. And the way that I've kind of done it is that one is inherently good and one is inherently bad. And at one point they were brothers and then something happened, they fell apart and they've made these two blades. So one is designed to basically be used for the best reasons to rid the world of like horrors, crime, anything. And the other is deemed to just kill. It's just there to, to destroy. And the Red Wave are designed to protect these two blades. Um, and so one day they rock up into the village where Hikaru and Mizuki are and say that there is a blade in your town and we are going to basically pillage and kill until we get it. And that's where the story comes. So the, the story sets in motion this kind of arc of finding these two long lost blades and how two people who'd given up the life of the sword are now dragged back into it. Um, and yeah, it came from so much research from everything in terms of, like I've mentioned, Kurosawa and Lone Wolf and Cub. Um, so then I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't, I was quite aware that I didn't want to write anything dialogue-wise that felt a little bit self-aware, like it knows it's in feudal Japan. And right. so I tried to write dialogue that felt a little bit pulpy, a little bit kind of modern. And I actually ended up watching a lot of Tarantino for that. I think Tarantino oh, does his dialogue pretty well. And <clears throat> so a lot of it was very dialogue based. I think it's the one thing that I've written where I've really, really honed in on the dialogue. And I've sat there for a long time going back and forth and speaking to Harry, who illustrates it, and just kind of saying, like, does this work? Does this work? And the project was actually my uh, dissertation for my master's. I did a creative writing master's. And this is what I wrote for my dissertation. So I fully just engulfed myself in samurai and ronin culture and um, and came out with this. So, wow. yeah, it's been around since, I think, twenty the end of 2016. It's been a, wow, nice. a long while that Harry and I have sort of just been in this bubble and we haven't talked to anybody else about it either. It's very much just been between us. And, um, and yeah, I'm just so excited that now we've kind of got the chance to show it to everybody in a in a kickstarter and hopefully get to make it i think yeah. you're going to get to make it man i mean i think so the artwork is gorgeous like you said that dialogue uh, how to put it like uh like you were saying you, i guess you can kind of now that you say the tarantino aspect you're watching a lot of tarantino you can kind of see that because the next word you know the next word to every word said is the line that should be as uh phil lamar so eloquently <laughs> yeah, said the one time right, we had yeah. him on the show uh, but that, and I'm just so intrigued about these swords. I mm -hmm. mean, you kind of touch on yes. what makes them special in the comic, but I don't want to say, uh, damn, bravo. I don't think you're going to have any problems trying to uh, get this funded. I think this is in the bag. And I was going to ask next, uh, your inspiration, 
but you kind of already said that this was going to be your dissertation. Yeah, it was. It, um, I was really lucky that on a creative writing master's, your dissertation is basically just a story. So you just have to write a story. Mm -hmm. um, and I wrote the first two issues of this as my dissertation. That was sort of the word count. And then they were really gracious that they'd let me sort of add in a, a footnote, which was basically finishing the story so people know where it goes. But yeah, so I, I wrote it as that. And so much of it did come from initially researching about Japan. Like there were so many things I didn't know about swords as well in terms of that they really believed that people are born as samurai. So if it's the, the son of a samurai um, being born, they basically have to make sure that a sword is in the room of the birth. Wow. Um, stuff like that where I just, I, I really kind of thought swords are integral to samurai, but more so than I ever thought. And um, and that's where the, the story of the Masamune and Muramasa blades sort of came from, is just this kind of desire to say that they may leave behind the sword, but something's always going to drag them back into it. And yeah, the the sort of mystical side of it all, that really does kind of kick off. You'll, uh, you'll There's see a lot of, of crazy lore and stuff that goes with samurais. That's like with them not, they never unsheathe their sword unless it was, they are going to take a life from it. Yeah, pretty really? much. Really, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's why they you. Yeah. So it can never be just really, like check out my new blade. No, <laughs> at most they would just pull it out a little bit so you'd see the blade, mm. but they would never fully take it out because if they were, then they were Someone supposed gonna to die. use it. Yeah. yeah. Or if yeah, they had, had, you know, if they were going to end up dying in a battle, then they would. I can't remember what it's called, but they would cut themselves open and that right. would be the end. Yeah. There's so much to it, and that's sort of one of the fun things that we were able to play with as well is because they're because everybody in it is basically Ronin at this point, we sort of had a bit of free reign to almost create like their own version of honor in terms of their own communities. So the community that Hikaru and Mizuki are part of it sort of have their own way of life. And then the red wave have their own way of life. And it's like about how these two versions kind of collide and they just don't quite um, get on. So yeah, it's um, it was really fun to kind of just craft. And in terms of the art, Harry, one of the things that he's done that, we've gone again back and forth on the art for so long because Harry's sort of been very meticulous as to how he wanted it to look. Um, so things have changed and the way that he's done his style slightly changed. But one of the things that he was talking about recently was that over the years, we basically collected so much visual reference for the red wave, like so much. It's just been from everything, whether it was something in pop culture or whether it was like an old photo or what we really kind of looked at it. And it's now at the point where Harry, as he's been illustrating these pages and the art prints that we're doing for the Kickstarter, he's wanted to make sure that the way that their armor rests and the way that they're kind of drawing their swords is correct. Mm -hmm. So he's had to study things like Ghost of Tsushima or Ferrari in terms of the way that people with swords or the way that their armor kind of sits when they're moving. And so he's really paid attention to those kind of little details. And I think when I've looked at the pages, you can kind of really see it. Like it looks very um, authentic. Uh, right. And I, I'm super impressed with that kind of level of detail that he's just, I mean, it takes so much time. I'm so lucky as the writer that I don't, you know, have to necessarily <laughs> sit down and draw anything. But, um, but yeah, every time he's just handed anything for it, I'm just like, this is ridiculous. And then he'll sort of explain, he'll be like, yeah, I've done this and this and this. And it's just like, I wouldn't have thought of half of that, but I'm so glad that you have. I can't imagine that as a uh, 
artist, being able to uh, change your style when you've come up learning a certain style. Uh, but but you're absolutely right because you know again we've been looking at your guys's work for years, and you can like when looking at those pages, you can definitely see familiarities from like the past stories mm -hmm. we've looked at. But at the same time. Like, it's a whole new look from uh, what we've seen before. It's amazing that somebody uh, can, like, tune themselves to that. You know what I mean? When I got here, I told Jeremy, I was like, boy, it looks like I think he uh, stepped up some game a little bit with this art because it it definitely is a, 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 I wouldn't say a step up, but it's, it's definitely It's always been impaired. good. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know. I would just like, I guess, you know, I play guitar. Like, and I've always kind of played the same thing. It's like, okay, now play classical. Oh, fuck, I got to go reteach myself all yeah. that stuff. But, yeah. you know, I don't know. Maybe it's not the same thing, but uh, you I, know what I I'm saying. That, yeah, I, I think um, I think there's definitely been a process for it in terms of Harry. We always describe that Snow is very much sort of, um, at this point, it's sort of an open source world. People can kind of jump in if they want to tell a story in it, they can. We've sort of set the the world up as a parameter, and people mm -hmm. can kind of do whatever they want within that. And so Harry's art style tends to be, um, I think he's described it as a little bit more loose. He can kind of be a little bit more rough around the edges, but with the Red Wave, there is so much precision in it. Um, and I dread to think how many hours hours Harry has spent staring at the robes that everybody wears and mm -hmm. doing all the individual kind of stitching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that and must it, have just taken. That leaps out when you're looking at those pages too. You know, all the detail really leaps out. Like after you're done with the dialogue, you still sit and spend time on that page, just checking all the yeah. intricate detail out. It looks, <laughs> it's amazing. It's so cool. Now you did bring up something I did want to touch on, and this, I think I already know the answer to this. I think it's probably a dumb question, but um, I know the Snow Universe takes place uh, typically like deep in the future, right? So, mm -hmm. and this obviously is not. But is yeah. there going to be any kind of affiliation? Because typically most of the work you guys do ends up being in this uh, tied universe. So is this going to have any correlation with that universe? I don't think so. I think um, I think when I went into writing it, I, wa I wanted to write something that was completely separate, that, that just wasn't connected in any way. So I'm pretty sure it's yeah going to be separate. I don't think I'll ever change that. We do have an idea which if we ever get to make the up to the fourth issue if we get to finish the story we've got an idea for one of the the kind of tiers on the the final kickstarter which is something that is very similar to what we'd do um and i can't say it because i don't want to like give it away but <laughs> okay fair enough it basically it, it is a, a bonkers idea that that i feel like but harry and i just sort of yeah come across around the swords um, <laughs> <laughs> there was one point as well where um sort of jokingly like harry and i always seem to come up with ideas when we're weirdly going out to the cinema something about traveling to the cinema and coming back we just always seem to spitball ideas but um one of them we always joked about would be wouldn't it be really funny if at the end of the red wave it zoomed out and then it was just taking place on another planet but this whole thing was like a planet of samurai and <laughs> like it'd just be so weird to have this sci-fi spin but um yeah as far as I, I, I'm concerned when I've been writing it, it is just its own thing. It's very self-contained um, in and out kind of four issues of very heavy character plot, I'd say. So in the story you have, um, will, will be self-contained there to those four issues? Or do you like if, uh, you know, this gets to where you want it to be? Is this a series you can see continuing? No, it is fully fourth issue and that's it. Um, very cool. I've, I've written them all now um so they're fully finished and 
it's odd as well because snow is something that I kind of kind of keep shifting and changing and adding mm-hmm. things to. But the red wave felt very much like once I wrote the final page that 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 was it. I was sort of like, which was a weird feeling. It was an odd sensation, but it was nice. So yeah, wow. there's um. That's gonna, that, that just makes me even more excited about the book. It mm-hmm. honestly does. It looks so freaking awesome. And if you if you can send us anything else to look at, we would love <laughs> to see it. We'll oh, I will do. We, on our Kickstarter, we've got as um, art prints that people can get as one of the tiers. And so um, for this opening weekend, the 27th to the 30th, we've got uh, a Red Wave Archer. So it's just like a limited print that you can only get during those four days. Um, and then every Monday and Friday, we're going to be showing off a character art. So I think in total there's, including the Red Wave Archer, I think there's seven art prints. Um, so we're going to have six characters to show off. So you'll see all the characters in their glory in a in an art print. But nice. yeah, they're um, they're very cool. I cannot wait to read this, man. Now, before we move on, there's something else I wanted to touch with you on is your uh, your podcast with uh, with Luke Barnes, the Consistent, yes. yeah, Consistently Okay podcast, which yes. has been a fun listen. Uh, I You guys got me on a Batman 89 kick from hell. Like, I was listening to your Batman nice. episodes. I was like, my God, I got to go watch this shit again. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for pointing me down that foxhole. But uh, do you want to tell listeners a little bit about it? Yes, yeah, so the Consistently Okay podcast is, as you said, it's a podcast I do with my one of my best friends, Luke Barnes. Uh, he lives in Norway. I live in England. Um, and in our second season, basically we're talking all things pop culture in 2021 and 2022. Uh, and we were also doing a special kind of in-depth series where once a month we're talking about something Batman. So we're going through all the Batman films, uh, Batman comics, Batman animated stuff. And then it, if our scheduling works, which we hope it does and nothing gets delayed, we should finish our second season with The Batman by Matt Reeves um, in March. So, nice. yeah, if you if you like Batman or if you like pop culture, you know, just head on over. We just basically talk nonsense for a long time. Yeah, it's good fun. But you don't you don't talk about it in a way that makes the listener feel excluded. I've heard shows that do that. It's it's it draws you in and makes you. I don't know. It just I just kept looking for the, the next Batman episode on there. Like they were so cool, <laughs> and I, I'm excited to uh, listen to uh, the, the Christian Bale Batman episodes. That's going to be awesome. Yes, we've just recorded. Uh, so we've just talked about some Batman comics, which is really fun. I absolutely love our episodes where we talk about comic books. So yeah, Batman Begins is next. And the episode that would have come out this week is the brilliant and amazing Batman and Robin, which is just, I hope that you listen to that and you want to watch Batman and Robin again, because it's awesome. It was great. <laughs> you, did you, uh, when did you put that one out? I don't, I don't know if I heard that one already or not. So that comes out, uh, it would have come out this Wednesday. Oh, I have to listen speaking. to it then. No, I haven't heard it yet. That ought to be good though. Yeah, so man, that movie sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was an interesting one to have to um, talk about. We have a brief that uh, we kind of go through every every Batman episode, and it's usually covering visual representation, the narrative, and then the casting choices. Mm-hmm. And yeah, getting to Batman and Robin and talking about all three of those was uh, it was interesting. It was difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except for Arnie as Mr. Freeze, which is obviously the best Mr. Freeze ever. Yeah. <laughs> sing, <Bye-bye>. sing! <laughs> <laughs> Chill out. 
Time to cool down, bird boy. <laughs> we can do that all day. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Nick, man, it's awesome having you here. I want to remind our listeners to check out uh, Nick on Instagram at goody182, on Twitter at goody2212. Uh, where else should people be checking you out? Uh, that's pretty much it. Just those two social medias. Consistent OK Podcast can be found on all podcast streamers and on YouTube. Um and yeah, the red wave's on Kickstarter. So if you just search the red wave on Kickstarter, you'll uh, you'll find it. And we'll have links for it up there too, and to help people get that way. I cannot wait to read this book, man. Mm-hmm. It looks so awesome. I cannot wait. So Nick, thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure, and I uh, can't wait to have so you much. and and uh, Harry back next time. Yes, he was sad to miss it this time. So we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely come back on, and and all of us can chat. Be well be fun. Luke's invited too. He's not exempt. We always have fun with Luke too. <laughs> I'll let him know. I'll let him know. Yeah. They'll be like, who? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking the other day actually about the fact that I think the last time we were on, we had invented um, a horror called Voodoo Wi Fi. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, it and, was the name of the episode. Yeah. And Luke and I were, I can't remember what we were talking about on the podcast, something. And we brought up Voodoo Wi Fi and we were like, oh my God. This still needs to be a thing. We should we should get writing this and so you know, if that ever happens, you're gonna get a special thank you for coming up with Voodoo Wi Fi for us. Oh you gotta make us like a like extras in the background of a yes, scene. Yeah, like we go. have to have a cameo in the comic. Like we that's our goal with this podcast is to get ourselves in yep. a comic somewhere. Somewhere. So I can do I'll do it. He's it's like, why'd I open my fucking Hell mouth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll put you in the red wave somewhere. I'll figure that out. There'll be a podcast that'll just turn up in the red wave and everyone'll be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're losing me with this, but all right. (laughs) Awesome, man. Uh, Thanks again so much for being here. And Jack, what have we got on the website? Go to candairpodcast.com where you can listen to the show, see who's been on the show, buy some merch to help support the show. Become a patron, get some extras of the show, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air, and uh, again, that Patreon page. Just go to the website Jack was talking about. It's all there in a nice little package. A little bit of money, a lot of content. Mm-hmm. There it is in a nutshell, right? That's it. And again, uh, September 25th uh, at the Super Kick Arena in Columbus, Ohio, I guess in Lewis Center, more accurately, the yep. uh, the Tour Gaming Expo. So be sure to check that out. Go to TorgEvents.com. If you're buying tickets, use Candare promo code at checkout. Get that cool 10% off. That's it. I, I think that's all there is to say. Right? Not much more. All right. Well, I think that's a good episode. I had a lot of fun recording this mm-hmm. one. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Nick Goosh. Thanks, everyone. No, thank you, man, and uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. Break. Whoops! Help! 
quickly walk back to the edge. Stop, you'll break through the ice. Snow job! Grab this branch. You should have been listening to canned air. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Snow job, how'd you get your name? Um... G.I. Joe! This has been a canned air production. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, we'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.